So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Partner up with Navy Federal to pay down credit card debt. You can learn more at NavyFederal.org. I think the American public would find it completely fascinating to what efforts our government will go to to bring their people home. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. Thank you guys for listening in each week, as we really appreciate each and every one of you. And if you enjoy listening to these episodes, please make sure to give this a thumbs up or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. So, last week I mentioned that we were going to push the second half of Jonathan Harmon's episode to today, and that is exactly what we're going to do. So, with that being said, I know I've already talked about it, and this episode is awesome, so let's get right to it. With a whole bunch of Americans that, you know, their plans changed dramatically that mm-hmm. night. A lot of families. And so we had some things we needed to do. Um, so we coordinated with uh, the task force and our PJ team there. Um, we sent some folks up to the mountain. And uh, we sent some folks to uh, look over the ambush site. And then we sent some folks to the crash site. So you're saying by air... By air, they're looking by down. any means. Nec- no, uh, well, yes, by air, um, mm-hmm. in the like as it's occurring, because you know, if you've got the 47 yeah, resp- still going, yeah, the 47 is responding, and because it's responding, other people now are sl- they're they're game on, mm-hmm. right? So they're looking. So you have A10s flying, and they're looking, they're squawking. Mm-hmm. You've got Apaches flying, Cobra's they're looking, right. Cobra's right there, and you know, you and so there's this, you know, like at some point, it, it's it's just open kimono. Like, mm-hmm. we don't care about, you know, noise signatures and, and radios and all that kind of... It's bring our people home, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's wide open. There's no secrets anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the environment that we transitioned from a, from a s- special operations, clandestine surveillance and reconnaissance to it's wide open. Let's get all our people that's back fine. home. Yeah. That's, that's a freaking fight. I mean, yeah. like, we try to do all this sexy underground black cops kind of stuff, man. But when that one went down, it's like, hey, yeah. you want some? We'll, we'll bring it. Yep. And, and everybody showed up. I have a side <laughs> question, uh-huh. which wasn't um, this wasn't discovered until, like, 
two weeks later when they found Matt Axelson's body. It, they found it far away from the um, from where they were, where they were all fighting and, and where uh, Mikey and Danny had died. And it they had gotten separated from an um, RPG blast mm-hmm. kind of off of the... He went one way. Um, yeah, he went one way, Marcus went the other. It is thought or, or rumor talked about that Axe actually lived through that blast longer than what we thought, what Marcus thought, you know, Marcus thought he's got to be dead Mm. and he, he's going the opposite way than Matt went. But because of where he was found, and I think if I remember correctly, and I might not be, and if I'm not, I'm extremely sorry to whoever would be mad at this information. But, um, from what I was told and what I remember, he, had um, made it close to a village, like another village, and and ended up being shot and killed. And then a villager had, like, took his body even further away and buried it. Did you get any beacons from him? Or was it just from Marcus? So, you know, that's a great question, Mel. Um, And I I have to be real careful here because... You know, um, there's a lot of the 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 short story is we don't know. Okay. Um, that's that's the right answer. Uh, yeah, you will never know. There's there's so many opinions. Um, you have people that piece things together, and they be may may be completely right, mm-hmm. but we have no way to validate it. And I think that's where the the questions come about a lot of this circumstances. Yeah. The best record we have is of Marcus's memory. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, many Americans don't know is that the uh, our enemy um, did a phenomenal job of recovering their own remains. Um, and you could, you know, like we had, there's a ton of stories out there of guys, you know, uh, shooting up a whole bunch of bad guys mm-hmm. and go out there, to rec- you know, to, you know, to cover, recover the bodies, you know, over distance. And it's like, they're all gone. Where'd they go? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, Somehow or another, they were able to, you know, get them off the side of a mountain and carry them away. Yeah. We do the same thing. You yeah. know? So could it be possible that his remains were moved, you mm-hmm. know, uh, maybe uh, as a result of them trying to get to his equipment or something? It's possible. Is it possible that he made his way there um, and eventually succumbed to his wounds? I, that's possible, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from a rescue perspective... Uh, we tend to shy away from speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times when we arrive on a scene and it's, it's, it's the evidence supports the fact they were still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, we had an aircraft crash in the, in the Hindu Kush, uh, a, uh, other governmental agency bird. Um, and they were absolutely convinced that everybody was killed in the crash. But then when our PJs got up to the side of the mountain up in the snow, we found guys with cigarette butts lined up as they were, you know, waiting to be rescued. And mm-hmm. they just, you know, we didn't get there in time. So those are very, very difficult stories to hear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the families. So we tend to be, like, pretty factual when we speak about things like this. And, Mel, I just, I can't answer it. Yeah. And it's not that it would change anything. It's just that, you know, line of curiosity. Like, what, when you hear different people's perspectives oh you won't know like how'd you, know, you get way over there yeah it's like how 
you know, was he being tracked too? Because that was something I've always wondered and never knew. And I am very close to the widows. Um, yeah. So it, it's a, not, I didn't know them. I met Marcus five years after um, Operation Red Wing happened. Um, so, but I feel like I know them because yeah. I... Oh, you feel their I pain. feel their pain and I truly love the women. Yeah. Um, we named our son Axe after Matt Axelson. So I was born on Mikey's birthday. Yeah. So wow. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, uh, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so how about that? Huh? Um, I mean, we, we love these men and the women, the families that are behind them. So, yeah. um, I, I always just have that curiosity, um, to just talking to different people that had a piece of the puzzle of whether it was rescue or um, that was, you know, there's so many people that were involved in this mission in different um, aspects, whether it was flying a bird or on the ground taking intel or whatever. There's so many different people that the were involved. The world becomes pretty small. Um, yeah. After the operation, I'll share this with you, Mel. After the operation to recover the remains, uh I was in the tactical operations center for the PJs uh, in Afghanistan, and uh, I was with Marcus. Um, you remember when we met? Of course you do. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know if you remember. All I was plane, in right? I was, huh? When, and then in the bus, right, when I got the plane? Yeah. You were in there, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. I must have looked worse than I thought because I remember that girl crying real bad at the at the ramp, and then we had the we walked down to the bus. I wanted to ask me if I was hungry, or the skipper did. Hold on, y'all are skipping a yeah yeah we're skipping some yeah. So uh, what I was going to say is that um, the PJs that were involved in the recovery operation, there was a lot of things that we did um, to support Marcus while he was evading. Um, you know, we got into report, we got into the kind of locate. Um, the next phase is support. We, uh, we drop resupply bundles all over the side of the mountain in a specialized pattern. That was one of the things that I came up with was, uh, you know, the, the pattern to use and how the dispersion pattern and all that. Uh, so the guys dropped that on my order. Um, and then uh, there were some other things we did with your radio. Um, I remember. You know, to kind of. You know, try to I was find getting you. my intel and then trying to do the best I could to yeah. follow the rules. Oh, you felt, you, yeah, yeah. I was just, yeah. yeah if there's ever, I, you know, if, if we ever get, uh, maybe one of the great things is that uh, I, in in the course of preparing for this, um, I had someone suggest that I, I write it all down and then pass it through some, uh, you know, the JPRA and see if I can get some of this released, because um, I think the American public would find it completely fascinating. Um, how, what, to what efforts um, our government will go to to bring their people home. It was the best. Yeah. All so I, I you were like sending like Morse code or hole. what through the radio? Oh, you can't even believe what we were doing. Yeah. You just can't even believe yeah. it. They yeah. come up with ideas there's, there's that a, you can't even possibly yeah, think of. I, I can't get into it because, I, I, you know, a lot of this... I didn't even know they existed until one of them showed up and I was like, I think I understand. Yeah. And I would do something and it would work. And I'd be like, and then I do something else, and it wouldn't, and then it was, it was weird. Yeah, so the support um, phase um, kicks in a whole bunch of different uh, ways. Um, you know, support can come in many ways, right? So um, a lot of them could be moral support. So we can't necessarily get you out, but we can communicate with you and let you know you're not alone, mm -hmm. right? We've got an eye on you. And it's a, that was the biggest thing. 
I was like, I, once I knew that sucker had an eyeball on me, I was like, come on. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, my boys got me now. Yeah. Like, and once they, I knew they saw me and where I was, that's, that's what changes your team guy. And how did you know that? What moment was that? Oh, I got something. Yeah. I got a little gift. <laughs> Showed up. But so can you say that? Can you say what it did. was? I know, but what was the gift? It was a gift. That's what I'm gonna say. Okay. It's some of this stuff. So so part of um, you know, there's there's various different uh, mechanisms that we employ. Um, you know, it, it could very well be like let's give you a great example. Um, what if you had the ability to we knew that there was a television, you know, close by, you know, and uh, you were held in a foreign country. It could be so much as just a, a message on the television. Seeing an American flag, you know, and somebody saying, you know, we miss you. Can't mm. wait for you to come home. You know, that kind of a thing. And that could build. Something that somebody else overlooked. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, the, the, this discrete method of communication is employed by our adversaries as well. Um, and so, you know, we have tradecraft and, you know, we have skillcraft and a bunch of other things that are uh, mechanisms that we employ to this day. So um, some of them are so effective that we continue to use them. And so we don't want to give away any of that. Yeah, I don't definitely don't want to yeah. be the cause of giving away any secretive information that can yeah. help somebody else. All right, um, so just think about all of our Americans. Think about the people who play in the military. I'm only using it like this for a reason. Yeah. Think about the stuff you come up with in your head. We actually get a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think so, I mean, that also shows to, to our Amer- an Amer- any American, if you're ever in a situation and you see some little slight hint that you're like, hmm, is hope. that a sign? Yeah, it's hope. That's it all maybe, I needed. That's all needed. It may actually be a sign. You know, I think this will resonate with mostly uh, everyone. And if you can think of the worst day of your entire life and how despondent you can be, that's every day in captivity. Mm-hmm. That's every day. You don't know if you're going to live five more minutes. You don't. You have no control over that part any... Sucked, I and, and, and so any... Anything whatsoever is a morale boost like freedom, and uh, it 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 is so powerful, it, and it and it can steal the resolve of your ability to maintain professionalism, mm-hmm. you know, and courage mm-hmm. in an environment where most people will quit. Right, and I mean, like, there is a point in captivity where we all will quit you know, or will die. And so it's a matter of your ability to resist that temptation to quit and endure. And so Marcus represents something that is unique in the sense of his isolation. You know, we, we have very few POWs coming out of these wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we didn't have, we, we had some captives um, in Iraq, but we didn't have a like I think Marcus might be one of the only ones that had a full evasion. Then he was um, held by partisans, you know, and so was he a POW? Technically, he wasn't held by the adversary. Mm-hmm. So, no. Right. But was he free? No. no, he wasn't either. So he was isolated. And so there's a lot of things that legally, gray area. legally that, that plays into. <laughs> That's right. And so um, <laughs> what his actions are and our actions... Like there's some, you know, some rules to play by there. Mm-hmm. So did the Pepsi bottle come from you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, that was not a gift. That was, that, that was, was not thank you, a te- gift. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone who's read the book. I mean, book. Uh, everyone knows that's a running joke. I can't believe I don't have a Pepsi sponsor. You know yeah, right. 
<laughs> Where are you, Pepsi? Well, I know. What the hell? For anyone so, that's read the God, book, I just had to dang, ask that, that question. that freaking bottle. <laughs> yeah, that, that became a campaign a few years later. Bucky uh, Buteau, Steve Buteau, who's uh, General Buteau now, he uh, put together a campaign financed by our local bar uh, there in, in Al-Udid called The Muff. And uh, I think he got together like 3,000 water bottles and put straps on them and everything and try to fly them in and drop them to your to the folks that helped you. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was a whole campaign. God, I would throw that wow. thing off the mountain and show back up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Was it the gift that they were trying to show <laughs> no, you yeah, that the, America was with I mean, I guess it was because there was water in it, but I mean, the water itself, I pay, I'm still paying for that. You know what I'm talking about? They're probably trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> well, you, you did a good job. You, know of, what I mean? you did a good it. job of, of doing some other things we'll, we'll get to, but um, I want to do finish this piece up. When I was there, uh, the PJs came in from the bird after recovering the last of the remains. And uh, I have, it takes a lot to beat a PJ down. Uh, we're fairly resilient. And the face of this PJ, our, our team leader, came, he comes to the door and I, 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 I'm pretty sure it was Scott Duffman, uh, who's deceased now. But um, I looked him in the eye and I said, how you doing? And he looked at me, he said, sir, if you had to climb that mountain, it told me to climb the mountain one more time, I would have quit. And that's the only time in my entire career I ever heard a PJ mention quitting. The only time. Wow. That's how much of an effort it was to locate your teammates. I heard a SEAL senior chief say the same thing. He's like, if I could, I can't get out of here. No. But I, I, I would quit. But you, even if you quit, you still got to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So you, you can't. You might as well stay. You got, yeah, you can't do it. You can't, yeah. I mean, it, it traps you in there. We all got trapped on that, bro. It was, uh, you know, for those that don't know what scree is like in that kind of an environment, it's like, uh, it's almost like quicksand. And you can't, in the, the angle of attack that you guys were at, um, it's just it, like It's a perfect storm. Uh, it's the worst. I mean, perfect storm. And everything would go wrong. And then the wet with the. Well, you guys, you know, they had an elevated position on uh, you. And so from that point, I mean, if anybody, you know, you ever been skiing uh, in Colorado or something, you know, or maybe seen some really, uh, you know, rugged mountains, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Hindu Kush, like the most rugged mountains in the world. Uh, Alexander quit there. Yeah. <laughs> right? Alexander <laughs> yeah, the Great. Yeah. yeah. There you go. He Even he was like, no. Yeah. This is, uh, no, not going to happen. Yeah. So we wound up in that, had to take a helicopter in there. So this support phase um, lasted for a while because you were um, held, you were isolated for a while. And so we brought a lot of resources to bear um, to try to support you while you were in captivity. Um, part of that support was to reduce or dissuade the enemy from gaining entry. Yeah, um, I did a good job on that. Yeah, so one of the targets, I think your primary target, he... Uh, he, he um, he disappeared yep. uh, through an airstrike. And then, um, so after that airstrike, uh, there was some other bad guys around. Yeah. And they came to visit him and find out what happened to his house. And they, they ended up um, dying in a subsequent airstrike, um, which was, cons you know. Anybody would come anywhere near me, y'all would get rid of them. Yeah. That yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, not everyone. Uh, there's that's a couple. Right. You know what I mean, though. The yeah, overall yeah, a couple guys I can handle the rest. I just can't yeah. handle that, the big part. Yeah. That, that's kind of like a. Um, the Navy had done the same thing. Uh, the Air Force and the Navy have a long-running uh, relationship going all the way back to BAT-21, at least as far as I know. 
And so uh, ICO Hamilton, uh, Bat 21, was uh, downed in uh, northern Vietnam, and uh, he was rescued by a Navy SEAL, Norris, yeah. and uh, won the Congressional Medal of Honor for it. I saw the movie when I was a kid. And growing up, you know, in that environment, I swore if I'd ever get a chance to pay the Navy back, I would. True story, I swear, on my life. That guy helped bring me up. Tommy, him and Mikey. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my whole life. The crazy thing is, after this whole event happened, I had long hair, and I needed, uh, not that it's not long now, but I needed to get back in regs. Uh, so I went to go get a haircut in Tucson, Arizona. And I showed up at this barbershop I'd never seen before, uh, Jean's Barbershop. And it turns out that uh, when I went, went in, there's this memorabilia, like some old worn-out combat boots, uh, aviation boots, and uh, a stick, you know, like the, the top of a stick out of an airplane, a helmet, and some other crap. And uh, this is all beat down, terrible stuff. It was terrible condition. And I was like, man, yeah, that's, that looks well-worn. That almost looks like, hmm, what is this poster? Bat 21. Wow. So I sit down, and I'm like, hey, uh, you know anything about this guy? He's like, oh, yes, Iseel Hamilton is my best friend. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. So I sit there, and he goes, hey, you know, what, what do you do? I'm like, oh, you know, I do this thing in the Air Force and blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, really? He's like, have you done anything cool? And I was like, uh, well, as a matter of fact, I just got involved in this mission, and, uh, you know, we pulled this Navy SEAL out of Afghanistan. He's like, no shit. So he leaves. He comes back, hands me a golf club. Number one driver out of ICL Hamilton's golf bag. He had just passed away and left his golf clubs, which, ah. if you know anything about his rescue, that's how he affected his rescue. Because he had a radio that was in the clear, a PRC-90. Yeah. And he would tell the aircraft above him, hey, I'm like at Hickam, yeah. hole He's eight, dog leg right. Yeah. yeah. It's cool when our guys do that. Yeah. Like you'll hear guys talking about football teams or golf references. Everyone's like, how do you guys get trained up? Like some of that stuff, we wing it. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is oh straight God. up wing it. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. But they, I didn't the, know the that. foreigners don't understand that. No, no. They don't no. understand that language. They'll, they'll, they'll brief themselves and come up on everything we do tactical-wise, and then that's what we'll like hit them with that. Like a football play or oh, yeah, we'll something kill them like that. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Pure American talk. So um, that support phase, the recovery phase, uh, is fairly straightforward. You you know have told the story over and over again. Well, real quick, I do have a mm -hmm. question. Um, sure. Did you get intel from the Marine base that a note from Marcus had been delivered? So I did gloss over a couple of things. Uh, we didn't talk about it. So uh, the map that I mentioned that I created, um, I gave it to my boss and I said, hey, I think this is what I have. Um, and he's like, okay, cool. Yep, for sure. That's, uh, I need you to come talk to somebody. So I have no, at that point, you know, I'm a kind of a, my familiarity with special operations is just kind of like a, you know, um, I understood a aspect of our special operations forces, but I didn't understand the full, um, all the components. And I was not read into that, uh, that program. Um, so uh, I ended up going up into the old man's called the Battle Cab, right? He's a three-star general up there. He's in charge of all the Air Forces and stuff. But off the side of his little private, you know, is another private room. There's a couple of them. You know, one of them would be like other governmental agency folks, and then there'd be these other guys. And, uh, you know, when you knock on their door and they go, who is it? You know, mm -hmm. like, you're like, oh, we these guys them. clearly yeah. the guys. have an attitude, you know, <laughs> like, 
get away from here. I'm going to shoot through the door, right? You know, like, okay. And uh, so, you know, uh, Bucky introduces me um, to these guys. And uh, Bucky's like, hey, Jay, show them what you got. And I'm like, you know, he's kind of excited because, you know, he knows what we have. Um, and he knows, he, he, he's aware of what's going on. So he's literally watching kind of history happen. And he's, he knows it. He's aware. So I hand uh, my, my uh, map off and I'm like, hey, you know, um, and they, they're looking at it and they're like, what am I looking at? And I'm like, well, this is what I have. And I think I've got this. And it looks like I have a single radio, uh, which would indicate a single survivor. And um, you have it. It's, I have a hack here. I have a hack here and I have a hack here. So this is time to distance. I think they're moving in this general direction. And if we give them this much time, I think we can predict that they're going to be here. And they were like, hold on a second. Open up a flatbed scanner. And electrons happen, and uh, there's a red phone. Picks up. There's no dialing. I'm like... It's like a Batman red yeah, phone. Yeah, like. red phone. <laughs> Pick up the bat phone. Yeah, it's me. I just sent it to you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll get him on an airplane. You're going to Afghanistan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. I'm like, oh, okay. Where were you? I was in All You Need Cutter. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and it, apparently, the two paths, the, the note, there, there wasn't enough really to launch anything on the note, right? Because there's, uh, you know, like, verification of written language, like, oh, we got a handwriting analysis. Marcus, you know, like, well, we got to hold this up and you got to, that, that takes time mm -hmm. to validate. So it could be anyone writing a note. My right. name is Marcus Luttrell. You know, he could be dead and they could be, a, it could be a spoof. It could be a trap. Mm -hmm. So there's all this, you know, everybody's second guessing it, right? Um, the Marines are the kind of people that are like, I don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. Here's how this goes down. If they're good or bad, they're coming home with us. <laughs> you know? yeah. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. And that's, damn, that's, how, that's how Jessica Lynch's 507th and those guys got recovered because that's the Marine mentality. And you know what? They're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. um, I don't give a damn how many there are. Like, where are they at? Yeah. You know what? And that's, that's why we have different components mm -hmm. of the services. Um, the Army loves to plan. Uh, and, they, they, man, they are master planners. Um, MDMP. 
you know, a military decision-making process. Uh, we've inherited that. Uh, the Air Force is, you know, of course, everybody is a part of the Joint Force, right? And how do you spell joint? A-R-M-Y, right? <laughs> so, big, big green machine, man. Yeah. They're running um, everything. So, but I think effectively, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if my timeline serves me correct, the two validated one another. So we have now a location and we have confirmation. We and have a proof of life. Some in different directions too. Right. So, yeah. And so we have, we have some radio information that we get. We've got, no kidding, like, okay, I've got this piece together. And that's what uh, led me, put me on an airplane to Afghanistan. Uh, prior to that, before we, I left to go, um, I was involved in the planning and the uh, approval process to getting our Air Force rescue assets from Kandahar all the way to Bagram in position for his recovery. So what we were looking for, the trigger for that launch, was physical possession. So if I'm not mistaken, the timing works out is to, I got on an airplane as Travis was coming into you. Yeah. Okay? So I arrive in Afghanistan, and I get, hey, we've got all the remains, check. We've got physical possession of the survivor, check. Um, and the J3 at the time was like, I walk in, um, and he's like, they're like, hey, here he is right here. And so the J3 turns around, and he's like, how in the, did you get this? I have all the pipes bent to me. And I was like, uh, sir, well, I don't know if you have all the pipes, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and he ended up putting me with their intel folks, um, and we pieced together everything, and I kind of demonstrated to them, hey, here's maybe some additional techniques. Uh, but then... You know, it wasn't very long, and we, we sent up the aircraft, the uh, Air Force rescue guys, to come and get you, which is a whole other level of that? effort, right? I mean, that, hey, that's, that was something different. Yeah, um, and that's Them something guys. that we earned uh, flying in and out of the Hindu Kush. So for those that don't know or may not be familiar, we stripped that aircraft down. There was nothing, nothing yeah. that wasn't necessary. Rotor so and fuel. We, yeah. we were able to have... Um, Spanky, oh, yeah. the, a pilot, one of the pilots yep. on that aircraft, that the helicopter that came in yeah. and pulled him out. Yeah, Skinny and, he, and Dave. Yeah, Gonzo. he explained how they had to like dump fuel and just really strip the. Yeah, land at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, media or uh, high or like, air density, altitude, yeah, yeah, all that kind of thing. Yeah, so that um, that kind of operation is an extremis, uh, but we do have, um, we, we've done it before. Mm -hmm. um, that's how we land on the side of the mountain to recover the, uh, the guys from the um, aircraft crash. Okay. You know, uh, Anaconda too, right? Uh, Anaconda as well. And Amiria uh, is like a one wheel kind of hover thing yeah, where you the... put them. Yep. So um, the recovery, the, the rescue, I, I, I like to call it a recovery, right? Um, not of remains, but of a person because Rescue would imply that we're rescuing you from our friendly forces. That's not necessarily the case. You were already rescued by Travis and his team. So this is more of a transfer. Mm -hmm. um, certainly high risk. Uh, but the idea is to get you to friendly control. God, uh, man, that was the most sketch thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, weather and ever the I mean, just... It was on. Yeah, that's. That uh, awesome. I, I wish uh, you know if if anyone were to kind of get an idea of what that looked like. I you know I, I apologize. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know what's chronicled in the movie. But if you want to see a movie about what weather looks like, uh, you might want to watch 
uh, one of his other movies, which uh, was The Perfect Storm. Yeah. And that uh, that's the chronicle of one of our other rescue crews. So that's one of the things about Lone Survivor, the movie, that wasn't... Be- and I think it was because of, I don't know... Pete would have to explain that, but I think it was because of like timing and money Time, budget yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But it showed like a clear day and in the middle of the day. Yeah. So that wasn't necessarily accurate. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Which is the worst because yeah, that was the because that was such a cool piece to it. But there were so many awesome things that it's didn't like normally get you tell put a story, in. you you overtell it. You know what? We didn't do that. I've got, I've got one for you. We haven't told any of it yet. Sitting here thinking about it, we rolled a helicopter down the side of Mount Hood and trying to perform a rescue. We lost lift and uh, one of our CSAR helicopters. That aircraft was rebuilt and put back into service. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually in the air the day that you were rescued. Uh, But if anybody wants to see the danger, like what we're really talking about here, you can find that on YouTube. So go take a look for that. Yeah, Mount Hood Rescue, Air Force man. Rescue. Fly that freaking. Um, yeah. The weather was insane that night, and that's why it took a couple of days to get in because the weather was just so bad. They couldn't yeah. bring that helicopter. I mean, the mountain was sliding off the mountain. Oh, yeah. Weather. Oh, it was epic. Like the village. Was, yeah, you have like, like lightning strikes and the, <laughs> the earth shakes and things slide. You <laughs> yeah. know, okay, like, so we know that part just from Spanky mm-hmm. and Travis. Let's talk about when the moment he meets you so um i think the first thing is uh we get you in and you need to get some you need to get a full-blown medical evaluation yeah food um you want to talk through some of it well where were you so um i had flown in as i mentioned and uh we ended up I think it was in the bus, and then we ended up in some kind of a debriefing room, but which like, I had to wait for you to arrive. What base? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. So we're in Bagram. Bagram. Okay. I'd already landed and got on and transferred to another plane. They had me in a gurney, and and then it landed. The ramp came down. There was a myriad of buses. That's where I got picked up. Then we went to that conference. Remember they hold me up, stripped me naked. That that's where all that happened, right? Ooh, they were I, doctoring me up. I can't. I can't say I was there for that. <laughs> you didn't see him naked. That was yeah. Remember I, something I had remembered. Out trying to find the guys, and That's I went there right. before the shower and the food and the priest and all that. They yeah. took me straight into that. For, for I, I so I remember. was there. Um, what I remember is you needed to be take processed yeah. through all of that. I was then I disengaged with you, and I was there for your initial debrief, if you recall, with a seer specialist intel. So we had that that we we would call phase one yeah. reintegration. And so that information that we got from you was where are where was the last known coordinates, right? Can you show us on a map? Um, can you? Uh, let's see. Why would that be a conflict? So I must be missing something somewhere because if we're asking you confirmation of where everything is, then we hadn't received, we hadn't gotten everybody off the mountain. So right. I've got a no, gap somewhere. Um, so Matt Axelson wasn't. Re- um, he wasn't recovered. He until wasn't recovered day. until I think July fourteenth. Yeah, it was a few weeks. So that's yeah. Okay, okay, right, okay. Thank you. Two, you guys yes, kept going we, in. I was still in. I remember because well, I was keeping me, you updated and in then Germany. I went back in that's there right. and kept dropping in. And my platoon yeah. came in from Iraq to Thank do you, the sea, the sea star on the side you. of that mountain. And then couldn't we didn't find Axe for a while. I had been moved. We went to Germany. Yeah. Remember that? And then we landed there, and that's when you started doing your deal. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was doing my deal before we got there. So 
One of the things that... Oh, um, like me and you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, I listened to you debrief the SEER specialist, and you gave like, hey, I've used these mechanisms. Um, I've, Remember that? They were like, hey, did you do this? And I was like, no, I, I did this. And they were like, well, we teach not to do that. <laughs> I was like, man, I didn't have any... I didn't have any idea. I didn't know. So, so in that debrief, <laughs> I'll we never don't, forget we, his face when we, I said that. Yeah, when those debriefs, what we don't do is we don't tell the survivor <laughs> that he did something wrong, right? We we don't do that. <laughs> we want to know what you did. We want to hear the story clean all the way through from front to back, yeah. and then we just encapsulate that. We pull out whatever we need to, yeah, um, to make sure that if there's anything that uh, any mechanism that needs to be reset, God, I'm so sick. anything I that needs that. to be burned. Um, that kind of stuff. But then the Intel, that initial cut from Intel goes out. Right. Right. And that's like the, everybody in the theater at that point that has a clearance and need to know, they get that. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that's what happened. All this other rumor that's occurring, you know, in the news cycle and all that stuff. Oh, sure. But they, they yeah, get that's what squashes that. It does. Yeah. Everybody then calms down. Yeah, that's okay? right. So that puts a big chill on everything. Um, then, uh, what we did is we you threw us some curveballs. So typically we want to get you we want to the 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 doctrine tells us to remove you from the sights and sounds of battle as soon as possible. So bringing you to Bagram was part of that. But how do you do that if the you know you're getting mortared, you know, and the enemy is threatening to attack and all this other kind of stuff like where it can isolate you, but that's not very helpful either. Um so the idea was to the idea is to get you to launch tool, you know, as kind of quickly as possible. But your wanting to be part of the ramp ceremony changed everything. We hadn't processed a operator. That's right. Ever. Like not maybe since Vietnam or maybe the first Gulf War. I can't I can't recall ever seeing any debriefs of an operator. Right, and so those likely had happened, but maybe South America or something like that, some other um, AO. But that got you know that got caught, quashed, and so we don't we don't really get a chance to internalize that in our training. So Marcus uh, was like, "Look, I'm not leaving here until I'm, you know until the ceremony is over," um, which gave me some extra time. It also gave other people extra time to think about it, and it's my understanding that the there was. Uh, uh, some people in the Navy that were deeply concerned about this mission failure, right? And that's what they were calling it. And uh, the, the thing that was premature, right? So, I mean, yeah, we have SEALs that are dead, but do we know everything? Mm -hmm. uh, clearly not. And, you know, we have one guy for sure. Mm -hmm. We don't know where the other guy is. Thank you for reminding me about that. Mm -hmm. um, and now is not the time to start trying to figure finger point, right? So some... Some people uh, can can get carried away with wanting to know, you know, things and, and can use their rank, and we know this. So that's one thing we do share um, in the training process. So what we do is we, um, we have a senior ranking officer that takes charge of it, and that was not me. Um, that was Doc Dickens. How about that guy? He, yeah. I still talk to him. So Doc Dickens, uh, Dickens is one of those few individuals I've ever, and I've, I've been around some fairly smart people. They're way smarter than me. And, uh, you know, I get a contact high, you know, and think maybe I'm smart sometimes. But Doc Dickens brings it to a whole other level. He will convince you that you are Superman. Dude, he's got this smile. He's real... And I can't explain it. 
charismatic. You don't talk about it. Just like, you're the, really you're the smartest version of yourself. You're the, the you're the most passionate person of yourself. You're the fullest expression of yourself um, I, I've ever experienced. And I, I'm a faithful person. And I mean, I go to church every week, you know, and I, I, I'm every day I'm praying uh, multiple times a day. And I, I will tell you that I've never experienced anything quite like being around that man. How about that? That and freaking I, guy, man. And so he, he wouldn't let me go down. He wouldn't no, let me get no, down on myself. No. And uh, and so being part of this whole process, we, we were on a journey with him. So I did some things to facilitate. Um, and I, I, did, I made some leadership decisions. But um, I feel like that if there was a, a, a father figure for all of us, it was him. Um, and he... He he cleared some paths for us and uh, offered some suggestions at key moments that allowed us to make some decisions to, you know. Um, but one of the things that I did, uh, we, we meshed well because um, he didn't come from the background that I did. So when I said, hey, I'm concerned about this, that was a tip-off for him, and he was able then to help me kind of work through, hey, what's the next step? And I would just, I had the confidence to make those decisions as a young uh, officer. And... Um, so um, we had gotten word that there was a, uh, a senior-ranking naval officer um, that wanted to talk to Marcus. And generally speaking, uh, we try to avoid having interrogative-type questioning uh, going on while we're trying to perform this reintegration. Mm -hmm. It's not helpful um, and it puts the uh, survivor in a defensive posture. And um, a lot of times what we lose is fidelity because they, they shut down and they don't want to talk about things. They become afraid. But we want the fullest expression of the story, right, so that we can get it all documented down and we can learn from it, so that others can learn. So um, we try to keep the two separate. And there's a time and a place for an investigation, and it's likely not right exactly now. We can wait a week or a, a day or something like that. And so we were, you know, that, that rumor um, that we had somebody coming in kind of put a little bit of pressure on us um, to make sure that we were staying true to Marcus and preserving, you know, his, one, one of the things that he wanted to do is participate in this ceremony and, uh, or, or ceremonies. And- uh, They're all on that thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one has to consider the gravity of the circumstances, the single largest loss of life in the history of the United States Navy SEALs mm -hmm. just happened. Um, and, you know, to come in and, and, and ask for an explanation right away is maybe not the time. Maybe we need to take a little bit of time to grieve. And maybe that's the best, most charitable way of saying it. Now, I don't know. I, I never met any senior ranking naval officer that was on his way to come talk to Marcus. But I trusted the rumor was likely true. I never met anyone um but uh once marcus once we got through with the ramp ceremony then it was time to get him out of country we needed to get him to germany and uh you know during the course of conversation during the course of training um i had this mental map this mental image that um there was a an agency that was responsible for that um and i could give them a call and they would make certain arrangements happen and we could get Marcus to Germany. This is when Dell is with you too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we pick a couple people, key people to mm -hmm. go through the reintegration thing. So we asked Marcus, Hey, who's your best bud? He's like, well, you know, there's this guy back 
And it wasn't like, hey, I'm digging at the bottom of the barrel trying to find that one-eyed fish. No, it was Dell's Del's name came up immediately. How about that dude? And uh, so we went and found Dell. We got him to pack his trash, and he's going to get on an airplane and come to Germany with us. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm ready to get in the fight. Like, what, what's going on here? And we're like, I mean, no. he's part of the position. Everyone else was dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, I, you know, there wasn't much of us. There wasn't many, many of us left. Yeah. He got, yeah, and he, he never left your side. Yeah. Never no, left your side. They gave, you gave him, yeah. a, he had a, the hospital bed beside him. I felt so bad for him. I was like, bro, I apologize, bro. I'm sorry you got to. Yeah, he was a trooper. If you're listening, well, I mean, Del, thank you. Yeah, if you if, if you think about what you're called to do, um, most people think, like, you're trained to be a SEAL, you're going to be pulling triggers. That's going to be your contribution. Um, not always. Mm-hmm. You're going to save lives, too. And sometimes they may be your best friend. Mm-hmm. So I never uh, loved me. Yeah, man. And uh, so we, I ended up calling the, back home to the Combined Air Operations Center asking for a, you know, a C-17, and I got turned down. And uh, so nobody had any airlift. And it was time to get Marcus out of town. He was, he was ready to go, um, and he needed to get to some more significant medical care. Right? He was, he was, his health was declining. And this is a whole other level, like this is a very deep concern to us because you can put him on antibiotics and you can try to, you know, tend to his wounds and stuff like that, but he needs to get to bright lights and cold steel, like, you know, um, and get to, you know, more significant care. Not that the, they didn't care for him, but um, these kinds of injuries take time to heal. And this isn't, this is, these are traumatic injuries and they're likely a disease process, a medical issue going on simultaneously. And so really, you need a staff. And you're of talking specialists. about like the severe dysentery that was yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. I was real sick, man. Yeah. Well, you know, and you did a couple things that didn't help, right? So swallowing all that chew. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did that. Yeah. I did that for sure, man. So um, I don't know if we can get into it, but um, you, you did some interesting things while you were, uh, you know, um, held in captivity yes, um, to kind of help uh, establish a posture. Right. Um, I recall one of them is of giving rip fuel uh, to your How about that? medicine. Can you believe that? Hey, man. I'm a doctor. Look, I, I have pills. I, I hook take those these. kids up ah. every day. They come back in. They're like, I feel great, man. Because like, yeah, I wouldn't take it because I had all these injuries. So I still had. I had my morphine. We all we all a, carried rip fuel in our pocket because fuel. we never knew we were going to have a mission drop. That's right. That was the thing back then. That was then. the thing. And I mean, you know, ephedra. That's and I was a medic. Oh, yeah. yeah, the ephedra. That's what was in that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know when you open the bottle and it's that orange? Yeah, kinda... yeah, man. It smells like, it smells like victory. That's right. It smells <laughs> like victory. <laughs> I feel like I'm winning already. <laughs> Um, opium putty in his mouth. Oh, when that was he when they go to work in. on me, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Then, they yeah, actually yeah. put when, um, when they go to doctor oh, on well, that, that's, sorrow, dude. Yeah, that that's just a different type of chew. It comes out yeah. of a little pack. You put it in there. It's like a skull bandit. That's what I thought it was. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laid me out. Yeah, I, I had a couple. Of, well, I, I, the rumor is there's been a few a guys. Joke, in, I think, yeah. yeah. Few guys that are like, hey, let me have some of that. You know, I'm out of, I'm out of chew. And they put it in. Uh, take a nap for a little while, for wake while. up and like, oh shit, I better hope, I hope I don't get a piss but test over those here. Those Afghans thought that was the funniest. Oh, they did. It was funny. A, they love that. Oh, they love that. 
Those are some hard dudes, man. Yeah, for straight sure. Straight up, straight up, yeah. Um, so uh, one of the other things that Marcus had done uh, to kind of create uh, this uh, idea that he was uh, sick, right? I think there was a... At one point, you kind of told him you were needed. You were a diabetic, a diabetic right? Yeah. So in order to fake the injury, he he ate a bunch of chew, um, which made him sick, and he's throwing up and everything. And you know, of course, he's carrying on and whatnot. And they're like, he is sick. You know, let's go. And then what I happened? Kept trying to take him to the hospital. That yeah. was my biggest thing. I was like, can you get me to the hospital? They tried to take me to the car. I remember, they blew the car up. And I was just. I mean, every time I tried to do something, it would kind of. There would always be this roadblock, and then that was my. And then they'd show up with these needles full of stuff. I was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no. Well, he's no, going to take all these drugs. And I was just like, what the? Marcus was like, <laughs> at, at the time, he's like, you know, um, he's trying to get kind of get a feel for like, hey, man, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? And uh, he's like, yo, man, I feel really bad because I'm pretty sure that shit got packed over the mountains. You know, insulin got packed over the mountains on a mule. So probably some people died by getting that to me. And, and, and it, you know, like, can you tell me, is everybody okay? And I'm like, yeah, NSTR, like nothing significant to report here. Like, it, I'll but never I mean, forget like, him. I was like, "That's," I was like, "This is important stuff." I, I hope you know you don't need to because I didn't want to take it either. Yeah, yeah, I was like, "You know, somebody needs that more than me." No, no, you're good. Yeah. Like, All right. Oh my gosh. So, um, they were great taking care of me. Yeah, part of the uh, the whole thing about building rapport was so fascinating, and I don't know if this translated it either, but um, the prayer beads, the 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 cap. And the gown, the man jammies. Yeah. Those were all gifts given to you um, as you built rapport and trust. And these were not lightly given. Um, to be given the clothing from the village elder mm-hmm. is a personification of being him himself. Given the beads uh, is a a whole, like it's, it's a bona fides being passed. You know, like... Uh, as Catholics, uh, Catholics have prayer beads. Monks, uh, you know, uh, Hindus, whatever they have. We have various different in- instruments. From their culture, um, this is a um, a trans translation, and I, I think that, I, and I don't know if this was talked about, but your adherence to your faith in captivity was unique among all stories I've ever heard. Um, your rediscovery of your faith and prayers uh, that you learned as a child um, while you were isolated, further How about isolated. that? It didn't come out until they isolated me. I'd forgotten that I knew them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you were you were preparing for death. Yeah. Because Oh, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what that was. Yeah. And you thought, okay, this is it. They put me in the hole that I'm going to be, I'm going to die in. And so this was the point of self-reflection where you made, you reconciled. I wrote it on the wall, carved yeah. it in there. God will give me the yeah, He carved a cross in the wall, yeah. and you were like, okay, here are these childhood... I, I couldn't remember them up until this very moment, but these were gifts given to me I've rediscovered in captivity. Freaking teenagers and the adolescents. That's how I built that. I started with the kids. Yeah, of course. And then I worked my way up throughout the day, and the adults would come in there, and by the time we, we were laughing and giggling, and then they would, they would come, because you know how they pray. Yeah, yep. They'd be like... Mr. Fervently. Murphy, yeah. Time to get, time to, I was like, okay. Now, one of the things you told me was, and, uh, and I, I assume this to be true, but you said that um, you were very, very clear that you were not going to pray to their gods. You were going right. to pray to your gods. Yeah, we but you would pray with them. I, I was praying with them. Yeah. That was the whole, I had that St. Christopher around my neck, because they would teach, the first day I had that rifle leaning over there, and the little kid walks up, and he's teaching me their prayer, one of the opening phrase of it. I, I still, 
I, I recognize it now, right? And then uh, I was like, okay. So I'd start saying mine out loud, and I thought that, they thought that was funny because I would start saying my prayer when they were just as like kind of a sing-along. Yeah. I was doing whatever I could, man. I was just... This is a very delicate subject mm-hmm. for, for many Americans, right? So um, it's important that Americans understand that building rapport in captivity mm-hmm. is one of the... It's a, it's a, it's a duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you, if you pull the John Wayne Act, you're going to get tortured mm-hmm. and killed, yeah. likely. Um, but if you build rapport... You want to walk somebody's house and crap on the floor? Yeah, right. no. Not a good, there's an old city, right? When in Rome? <laughs> yeah, uh, when in you know, Rome, man. Yeah. Well, I think there's just a general show of respect, too. Like, if I, when yeah. we went to Japan and we went to... We <clears> saw <throat> the temple in um, it, right there in Tokyo. When we walked up, we were very respectful. Do I believe in all of that? No, that's not my belief, but we respected it. We respect the said like no women at some point where I couldn't cross through. So I didn't go. I mean, mm-hmm. you're very respectful. If I'm walking into a synagogue or wherever it is, we're always going to be respectful of other people's faiths. Um, just like if a Baptist comes to a Catholic church, they're not going to chew gum and, you know, whatever in. Well, if you walk in there with your, the how you study, like whatever your philosophy is and how you practice it, like your stuff doesn't stink and you're going in there. Yeah. That's not, First That's of all, turn out well it doesn't even say to do that. Mm-hmm. It tells you to do the opposite of that. Right, to respect and love. I mean, so, it says that in the beginning. Well, um, So if you're going to love your neighbor like you love yourself, if you're in your neighbor's house, man, you better think about that. So I try to not, not to wade into those um, arguments oh, yeah, or discussions because yeah. I'm just... talking about them and they're trying to make a point and, and uh, browbeating somebody. Yeah, about it. no. That's, that's, I just, and no, we the, got off the subject, but I was just... It interested me when you said that because, mm-hmm. yes, building rapport in any and every way is super important. And what Marcus did, what he was able to gain not only trust but almost respect with the village. I still have it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and I'm, I am who I am, but yeah. I still have it. So, Mel, I mean, there's some things here, I mean, maybe we can throw out on the table um, that are incredibly unique mm-hmm. to this, um, this event. Marcus is a painted man. I mean, when you come down to like Muslims and tattoos and such, that's a big deal, right? (laughs) That almost got my ass thrown out. Yeah. I I mean, there are so many taboo subjects that we teach. You absolutely never, ever discuss. He did. He rewrote, single-handedly rewrote a lot of our resistance posture Mm. um, training because we were fighting a different kind of enemy. We didn't write manuals for the manuals that we had that he, you know, would have received training in, uh, or had his peers receive training in, and he, you know, got by osmosis. Um, those were all written for a formal combatant, so a near peer engagement, like you would have, you know, the Axis versus the Allies, you know, the North Koreans versus uh, South Koreans. Mm-hmm. North Vietnamese versus South. This was a very different kind of war, this counterinsurgency operation. Um, we didn't have a, a playbook. Um, and furthermore, um, hostage is was not something that we had a really strong playbook for. And we certainly, of that, those that were educated with the playbook we had, those were very highly specialized individuals. Um, and that was that that was some very secretive type of, of training. Now, 
Today, every single airman is trained on hostage. as a very different set of rules. Mm. Um, if you are in peacetime governmental, like you're, you're held by a, a, a foreign country, and they are not openly declared war against uh, America, that's a different um, way to act and behave. You don't, you know, it's sort of like this. Um, if I'm in, held in captivity um, and I kill the guard, right, would I go to jail? Yeah, mm-hmm. you would. You should wait till your government negotiates your release, right? right. So this is not wartime. Mm-hmm. And so Marcus had to extrapolate. You know, with what he had, he had to work through it. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that he did um, was he didn't pull the John Wayne, Mm -hmm. which is human nature, especially for men our age. Mm -hmm. You grow up watching Dirty Harry Callahan and, you know. That's all I watched. Yeah, yeah, me too. My (laughs) dad does painted up like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, you've got Charles Bronson out there, um, Stallone, um, you know. and Schwarzenegger. Oh, man, that's, that's Everyone, It's all me. the male role models, right? So, you know, there's this toxic masculinity out there that says, hey, you know, you need to uh, buck up, you know, and, and, and be John Wayne, you know. And, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden, Marcus finds himself in this thing, and he's like, yeah, um, these guys are going to, I'm going to make these guys my friends. And well, I'm going to. They I'm, were John Wayne's. I got put in a room full of freaking John Wayne. So well, I there you go. <laughs> I mean, so then, so then like what, what, to what benefit is it that you're going to challenge them in their own village as the alpha male? Right. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to survive. Right. I couldn't walk or anything. I was been running my mouth. Yeah. Then I'd have just been some punk. Yeah. Because you don't have to speak the language to be a punk. Everyone knows what that looks like, the aggression well, levels well, and all that. Anyone you? who's around Marcus knows he is the alpha male. Yeah, I'm a, so I can be. I can be a punk be, too, man. I, yeah. I can run my mouth. I yeah. need to. Did you did you ever tell the story of your attempted escape? Nah, that didn't work. <laughs> 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 There's so much stuff that I did, and they'd bust me, and I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I had to kid kid zone it sometime. I'm, I'm like, like you know, they got would get mad and they would smack me, especially when I would know when I'd live and they teach me something and I'd reach out for something as and then be like, because right. they started to like me. I mean, we got a, a relationship. But I knew at that first, when the women would show their face to me. Oh uh, wow! At the oh. end, that's how I knew. Yeah, because they would start to feed me and then they would check on me and that's a big and I. Yeah, that whole doctor. I always show to them. I think that got me a, a long way too. I was always yes sir. Oh, I'd try to stand up when the elder would come in. I knew who he was, so I'd always make a big point to try to get up. And he saw he would be like, you know, he'd be like, ah, and kind of do that. Never they do. And then they would laugh at me because I would fall down sometimes. And then eventually they saw what I was trying to do. I just kept trying, and I would fail all the time. I can't believe they kept me. They should, I mean, I even, I think I laughed about it. I was like, man, y'all need to get rid of my ass, dude. Because I, I mean, I ain't bringing you nothing. But then when that J-Dam came down, I was like, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I didn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I didn't know about a lot of that stuff. Well, so he, they would ask me. And sometimes I'd snicker. They'd be like, hey, man, we, y'all, the boys whipped our ass. Like, yeah, they do that. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. He tends to be a bull in a china cabinet, I am, too. I can't so I can't imagine all the things he broke. <laughs> well, you know, and that, that, that's, a, there's an endearing aspect to that, right? Because, you know, you're in their house and they're like, oh, you know, dirty American and they're, they're stereotyping, you know, just as badly as we tend to do. Um, and so Marcus comes in and he dispels a lot of that. Um, 
you know, with humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot to be said about, about, about being humble because guess what? People are more receptive to your language. Mm-hmm. Um, we're finding out you. that you're, you can be more lethal that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why women make great, you know, They're the warriors best, too. So good. That's a great point. I try yeah. and make it. What you just said is an absolute fact. That's yeah. why they're so damn lethal. Yeah. That's a gift, a, a tool, whatever you want to call it, man. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, and it, there's some lessons learned there um, that, you know, have been applied. And uh, I think we're seeing a lot more uh, women in, in these pivotal roles. Um, you know, of course, we've learned a lot of lessons in the Air Force. We have some incredible um, aviators um, and other women leaders. Um, we've had uh, Mick Sally, um, who... Uh, the problem is that they just want to see him in public. They want to know that they're there. We, we have them. There's, yeah. Our most badass operators are women. We just keep them top secret. I we got a chance to work, work with one uh, who was, I think, one of the first that went through the OTC at Delta. Yeah, man, we got them. And uh, my word, she's, uh, in, you know, like we talk about wasps early in the conversation. That's another trailblazer right yeah, there. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. I mean, just like ours roll, like something new comes online and then it gets, it gets used and it goes to something. We, they do that too. Yeah. So did Sear School change after Marcus yeah. came back and gave So info? after we got done, I wrote, um, after we got done in, in Germany, uh, I should probably mention uh, part of the, the reintegration. I ended up, we were, we were kind of, we were without an airplane. So um, we were all in the bus down by the airfield because it was time to go. And I had no, no plan. <laughs> my plan, uh, my plan was not working. So I stopped by, we, we st- parked out in the parking lot for the airfield building, right? And they had a security gate and all that stuff. And I went in and there was a whole bunch of people waiting to leave Afghanistan. It's like a long line of people always waiting to leave. So we're looking for any kind of space whatsoever because their orders are expired. It's time for them to go, you know, that. And so sometimes they wait there for weeks trying to get out. So, and we've got, you know, we've got Marcus and uh, two, seer, two seer psychologists, myself, Marcus and Dell. And Dell. Right? So, um, I go in there and I'm like, hey, I'm this guy, you know, I'm kind of special and I need a favor. And they're like, piss off. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't think you get it. I'm this guy, I'm special and I need a favor. And they're like, no, I don't think you get it. Piss off. And I was like, okay, do you have a room? And they're like, well, what's a room going to do? I'm going to give you the same answer. I'm like, hmm. Let's go into another room. I opened up a briefcase, pulled out a non-disclosure, and I said, sign that. And they're like, uh, I've never, I, what, what is this? And I'm like, just sign it. It's a non-disclosure. You're not going to be able to tell anybody what you just, what I'm telling you right now. So they sign it. I put it back in the briefcase, and I'm like, okay, I'm special. <laughs> I need an airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, uh, well, I'll let you out on the airfield. There's no, there's no airplanes, but you can go out on the airfield. Like, okay, thank you. So I get on the airplane, or we get in, the, I get in the, the little jingle bus, we drive out to the airfield, and we're parking there, and I'm watching the C-17 get loaded up, and uh, all these people are getting in the belly of the airplane. And I look over, and there's a guy standing off the wing. And I'm like, I'll be right back. So I jump out, I go over to the guy, and I'm like, hey, you the pilot? He's like, yes, I am. I'm like, hi, my name is Jay, uh, I'm in the Air Force, and uh, I need a favor from another airman. And he's like, what kind of favor you need? And I'm like, mm, I have precious cargo that I need to get to Germany, which is where you're going. And uh, I need you to take myself and the guys in that van over there and uh, get us over there. And uh, I-, I can't tell you 
who we are. <laughs> uh, the rest of us, yeah, I can tell you, but the guy that I'm asking, like, w w I have somebody that I need to transfer. And he's like, well, who is this guy? I'm like, he's an American. And he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so um, they put Marcus on the flight deck in, the, in their bunk. Well, this is when it got cool. Is when we started moving me like this because I didn't have my name, ID, all that had been erased. And then there was a film crew on the bird. That's the reason there was a big problem getting me on there. Well, HBO, right? No, no, no. So, so they, there was a 60 minutes film crew that had been in country and they had been done, they had done filming, they're doing an expose. And when Marcus's event happened, they like did everything to stay in country. They're like, we've got to get the story and everything. And you, you weren't aware of it at the time. I don't think we told you until after we got there. But Doc, the two Docs, all, like we sat in the aircraft intermixed with those what, film crew. On the wall. I, yeah. I remember hearing that. You remember telling me that. Yeah. And I come up. Because y'all stuck me up in the pilot's cockpit, yeah. up in the bedding. Up oh, he, he came. So we, we, we came in the back there. So they were looking for Marcus. And they were like, it could be him. It could be him, right? So we had Marcus come in the crew door while the rest of them were loading up. And I was yeah, like literally right. waiting for the exact yeah, right yeah, timing to go, right. go now, Just go now, get him in. That's right. So he gets up and he goes in there and he gets into, you know, it's a bunk. So there's like, It's the know, best. Yeah. So he racks out, right? It was the best. They juiced and, me uh, up. That's chocolate chip cookies, man, he made. I'll never forget that. <laughs> it's Air Force. Come on now. It was so good. <laughs> it, yeah, great. You kind of set me I'm up, surprised man. you didn't hit the milkshake machine. Hello, dude. Yeah. <laughs> got it was great. <laughs> I remember looking down and at, at the pilot, and he was sleeping, sitting up again, and because no, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. you, you want your pilots to have rest. And he's like, bro. Yeah. He was real cool to me. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even remember who he was. I don't no, know. I don't either. He was a uh, he was a captain at the time. Yeah. And uh, great dudes. Yeah. And so I'd go up and check on him. Is he still asleep? Yeah, he's still asleep. Okay, cool. And so we rode in that thing, and uh, you know, we're course. It's so live. I mean, there's still stuff going on. We're trying to still maintain communication. Fine, if they got acts, so we're going back. I'm contacting, you know, hey, and I'm talking also to the. That's right, because the mission's still going. The mission's Red still going. Is still going after yeah, yeah. I'm rescued in the hospital. There's still people on the ground. Yeah, that's right. It. They're trying to. The find recovery out. goes for weeks. Yeah, the recovery yeah. effort is still going on. Right. So I'm coordinating with them. You're asking. One of the things that you're asked. I mean, very first question you asked is, "Where's my brother? Is he okay?" Yeah. Right. I'll yeah. never forget that. That's right. I'd call and, him. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the next question is, where are my teammates, right? Are they okay? Like, did you get them? And uh, so this is really, really tough because, like, how do you parse that out in a way that's digestible but factual? You can't, like, sugarcoat something to a seal. He's just going to spit it out. Mm -hmm. It needs to have, like, fully salted. But it needs to be chewy, too. Like, he's got to be a licky chewy there. And it just sucks delivering bad news. So, you know, like, he didn't get bad news until much later. Um, you know, and, and, you know, of course the, I think I might've been the one to deliver it. If I'm not mistaken, I might've been the one that told you that your, your teammates were, were mm -hmm. gone. And, um, so, uh, we were in flight in Germany, you know, going on yeah, our way to Germany. The first debrief, you said you were still looking for him. Yeah. For, for X. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, the, the, you know, it's sort of like, how do you, how do you, uh, we haven't given up hope, but it doesn't look good. But we're still looking for him, you know, the, kind of that. Um, you, you know, and so I'm communicating with the guys back in Germany uh, over the aircraft, and because uh, you know, uh, I have a SEER specialist waiting to waiting to to uh, 
to receive us. Mm -hmm. Now the whole team that's there in Germany is gone. They're off on a boondoggle. They're doing free fall jumps in like, uh, I think uh, Holland or uh, someplace like that, Belgium. And so we got this one guy who was on his way to the Tour de France to watch that's the mountain right. That face. was going on. I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, that's so right. you got, you got, you know, and he's like, I got my whole, I got tickets. My whole family's packed in the car. Like, what do you mean? I got to like, and they're like, I remember and, hearing that. The so he gets a tour de France. We're not even here. Yeah. And he, and he, and he was like, I, I talked to him this morning. I called him. It's the first time I've talked to him in, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. And, uh, and you know, he was like, wait a minute, tell me again what's going on. And there's some lieutenant colonel on the line. He's like, yeah, you know, the, this is a reintegration thing. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. The guys are calling. They're saying something. It doesn't sound like a big deal. I mean, maybe you could still go, whatever. And he's like, yeah, there's no such thing as a re reintegration coming to launch tool. That's not big. Like, uh, no, I, I got it. Thanks. Appreciate it, dummy. You know, and uh, so um, <clears throat> before... We, we left. Um, I had contacted our, uh, my communique, and I told him, I was like, hey, listen, I have this thing going on. There's this checklist, right? I'm going to take, like, imagine it's a tree of all these people I'm, you're going to contact. And this is, like, it was a media frenzy, a circus for Jessica Lynch and the 507. There were people, the international press was, like, trying to beat the gates down. There were people everywhere trying to take pictures and all that stuff. It was like she like showed up on a balcony waving and like it was it was uh, it was crazy. I remember that I stayed in her room. Mm -hmm. That doc says like oh, got you yeah. in, the, in the pediatric ward. That's where they hid me. Right. And he's like that's the balcony where she did all the. That's where so, I woke up. So the guys that actually uh, did that reintegration while she was there, they wrote a bunch of reports, and those reports were just like four eyes only, like internally, like hey, if we ever do this, let's not do this or let's do that. I was one of the first people to read that because I was involved in it. Yeah. And so I helped draft a lot of it because I'd ask the questions because having been a part of it, you know, it's always good to have that third party, right? To say like, hey, well, when you did this, did you do this? What was the other thing? Blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, that's right. And so that's why it's always good to have somebody on the outside. So with Marcus coming in, um, we were sitting out by in, in the thing and we were getting ready to get on the airplane. And that's when I turned around and I said, Marcus, do you know who I am? And he goes, you're the fucking man. <laughs> I said, no, Marcus, you're the man. Aww. Okay, so let's be clear. I said, I have a question to ask you, and I'm not gonna, I want you to think about this. Do you want to continue to operate, or do you want to be a hero? I'll never forget that. Mm. And he thinks about it, and he goes, fuck, man, I want to operate. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And that was the fork in the road that we needed. And so at that point, what I did is I just started lopping off limbs of our checklist. And I was like, I don't need dip, 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 dip. Uh, we're going we're gonna to shrink this thing way, way down. And we're going we're gonna to hold, hold, hold. And then we're going to release. And the way it worked out is we went through the, all the debriefing, the tactical debriefing. Yeah. We went through all the medical stuff and everything else. And guess what? On the other side of it, we ended up going to the BX. And he could walk and amongst every, no one had any idea who he was. And we got him clothing. We got him good chow, you know, and he was able to like decompress outside of the hospital. And when we had people like, you know, trying to kind of figure out a way to get in, you know, like just to peep on him, you know, mm -hmm. 
And so that was pretty easy. We had security um, set up on both ends, but inevitably there'd always be somebody that was kind of, uh, oh, you know, I'm here to do house cleaning. No. But my signature was so low that when we would move, you, the press wouldn't look over that way. With the We'd story, always have like a distraction. Yeah, there was always something going on to, to where I could move autonomously. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, it was, it was great. And uh, what, it, what that translated to was a natural decompression where he had his friend by his side and it was like the doors open to the jail and it's no longer a jail. It's a hospital and it's, I'm here for care and I'm just another patient. And like he had an entire wing, you know, which is all completely locked down. And so you, you know, like, and we have guys that are injured that are coming in out of theater, you know, with significant injuries. Um, and so they're in another wing and, uh, and it, and it worked out great. Um, eventually it worked out so well that we were able to go downtown and uh, we went to a Thai restaurant. Mm. How long were y'all in Germany for? I want to say it was, it was wasn't it wasn't quite two weeks. Was almost two weeks is what I was. Yeah, thinking. I think in like maybe ten days or something That's like that. I I had all the dates and all the you know stuff logged, but I I lost it and started losing track in a time. crash, a uh, hard drive crash. But it was there at the Thai restaurant that uh, we all got together and we had a beer and. This is the glass that I had. Um, you had one just like it, and I don't know. You've probably lost yours by now. It's somewhere in the vault. Somewhere in the vault. But this I've kept uh, with me. Uh, it's gone all over the world with me. Wow. And uh, so I, was, I, I gave up drinking a couple of years ago, but um, I gave up drinking for you know other reasons, uh, not health-wise, and so I'm ready to have a drink. <laughs> whenever you are but I gave um, up drinking a couple too, years ago too yeah. so maybe y'all can have did, some bro. sweet tea i'll make you some sweet tea in all righty <laughs> yeah we'll drink some of that um after after we went and had uh dinner um that night we had a couple photos taken and uh, those may be the only photos that we have ever had together and that might be the only photos that we had with doc dickens as well delapenta has them and i i don't know where he is i'd love to have him and i i uh I maybe did my best to browbeat him and say, listen, if I don't get these, I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you. Uh, and I probably didn't follow through on that. But uh, <laughs> He's hard to kill. We'll find him, though. I know yeah. it's out there, though. I, yeah. Especially that one if, when we're at the, at the Porsche dealership. Now, I've got, the one, I've got the one at the Porsche dealership. That's, uh, it's, that's a whole other story. So, Marcus, uh, one of the other things, you know, I mentioned this about him uh, not wanting to quit. So, there's always another follow-on mission. So Marcus, in going through all of this, it's kind of coming, it's, it's, he's reconciling with everything. And he's like, man, you know what I, I could really do? I could really do with some team time. I need my boys around me. I want to I I be back in the environment. And so we drove him to Stuttgart. Uh, and I think it was Team 2 that was in town yeah, at the time. And uh, so we went, to the, we went to the team, and uh, I think Doc and I pitched in. We bought a bunch of pizzas. And uh, so you came in, and we had pizzas with the team and they had absolutely no idea who marcus was and and i'll be damned uh, neither doc nor i was going to tell him either um the idea was to make it as as organic as possible and of course uh did they give him the stink eye yes they did it was a bunch of young whippersnippers in there that were like fashion. yeah yeah they looked at him like who are you Psh, you know you, are you even a seal mm -hmm. uh, it was it was it was it was crazy uh at least that's how i remember it um and Marcus dog. was amazing. Uh, while he was there, they he, he ended up befriending him. Uh, and and it, I don't know if he ever told him. Mm. Never. 
Well, while we were there, um, we, we, needed some, we needed some airfare, and we needed somebody to run interference. Uh, because as we understood it, uh, this kind of like this road show was getting tracked down, and there were people that were wanting to have some answers. And so their commander, uh, we, Doc Dickens and I talked to their commander, we impressed upon him rather seriously that he needed to interject himself um, and interrupt what was uh, transpiring. And, you know, he, he dug in and said no. And uh, I did my best. And then Doc Dickens gave him the old, uh, as best as he could, as an 06. You know, hey, look, if there was ever a time in your life that you were going to do something right, this is now. Pick up the damn phone. Mm. And he, he decided not to. Um, I, I don't know uh, the inner workings of the Navy, but my understanding is is that it's 200 years of tradition unhindered by progress. So, <laughs> so what were you trying to get him to do? Well, that's a whole other story, and I, I probably uh, – it would be for maybe another time. Yeah. Uh, but the, the idea is to um, you know, protect Marcus um, and, and the legacy. Uh, and likely get him home uh, and get his family taken care of. So in the mid middle of all of this, we haven't really talked about your family being back here, your brother, um, and the toll that it's taken on them. Mm -hmm. That's a totally different story, too. Yeah. It really is. Um, and so part of the reintegration, as I mentioned earlier, is like, hey, reintegrating to the unit, which we talked about, reintegrating with your family. And most people don't know that the Navy, um, I tried like the Dickens to get a joint, agency in to see your family and debrief them on exactly what's about to happen. But they didn't have, it was 4th of July weekend, uh, and they didn't have a field team, so to speak. So my understanding is the Navy took care of it themselves. Yeah, sent and the boys up. They sent some guys to your parents' house, yeah. um, and they did their best to debrief, debrief them on what was happening as best they could. And uh, I don't know how much of the information that I was getting, that I was transmitting, was getting back to them. Mm -hmm. um, I, it wasn't something that I was keeping track of, but we generally do. Um, so the idea would be that, you know, um, Marcus had complete, uh, if I recall, there was a period of time where we were like, we didn't encourage you to call. Yeah. Um, because we were getting your story down and recording everything and all that. And it was a really trying. I got that too. I was like, Roger that. I remember. Yeah. When you recall the story, and we, we dove into some really finite detail, which is well above and beyond what we did in Afghanistan, um, that can trigger a whole lot of a flood of memories and emotions. And I was deeply concerned about this process until Doc, uh, I had my own issues. And so I, I'm talking to Doc Dickens about it um, from a previous deployment. And he said, he told me about uh, a story, kind of a, a story about our rucksack. And he said, Jay, what's the first thing you do when you come off a mission? Like, I dump my ruck. He goes, yeah. What do you do after that? I'm like, I reconstitute it. And he goes, are you doing that? And I was like, no. So I this say, say stuff like that is so so logical. You're like, oh yeah. I'm like, I'm like. That's why you're what are like you, some kind of doctor. Or yeah, something, yeah. You know? I mean, but I mean, all the all the psychological baggage that we pack, and this this is what I tried to explain. Uh, I explained to Janine after when we met is that, like you, we are trained to compartmentalize mm -hmm. everything, and so every every deployment, every adverse adversity we face, we we compartmentalize, 
And then we move to the next phase, the next chapter, whatever. It's like, it's a win, it's a loss, whatever, it's, ch- it's tallied, mm-hmm. right? And we just keep moving. And Doc was like, no, uh, th- that's actually good for training, bad for longevity. <laughs> mm. So longevity, you need to take it and dump it out, empty it out completely, then put the stuff that you need back in there. The stuff that you don't need, you need to throw that away, mm-hmm. right? That's worthless wrappers and stuff like that that, that yeah. creates a parasitic drag on you, and it becomes exponential over the course of a career. Right. And I think that's where um, we have a big gap between operators who, are, who have resilient, you know, and, and those that don't because they don't receive that. You know, where are you going to get that? Are you going to get that from, uh, a, you know, a civilian psychologist? Likely not. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. there's a lot that's been learned and it's been shared within their you community. Know, but that's, I remember Doc talking to me. You could tell the book was out the door, right? It was kind oh, of yeah. like, yeah. That's just, why we were. It me from a big brother kind of perspective. Uh, you so good looking, too, you know? Oh, I told you. I told you. Which doc? Doc Dick. so good looking, too. Okay, okay. So let's, let's tell the audience. Let's fill him in, right? He's a big so, guy, too. Oh, so he just kind of looks at me like. <laughs> so did you ever see the series The Unit? I on have TV? not. No. Okay. So the unit is about uh, Delta Force. Delta, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So there is a guy that's in the series. He's an actor, and he plays a psychologist. He's a black man. Okay? He, doc, the real person is more jacked and way more handsome. Like he's <laughs> yeah, they really, couldn't find an actor to play this No, movie. they couldn't. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> like... He, so, Dude, so where is he now? Oh, he's outside I, of DC, right? I think, I think so. so still. He's probably in yeah, private we practice. To, <laughs> we need to find him now. He's the funniest yeah. guy, man. He just, oh, he's he's incredible, and uh, he is. He, I don't know how many right, lives he's calling saved. Doc Dickens. Yeah. Anyone he's, 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 that his can. breath always smells like Nyquil. He's got a great <laughs> smile. He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Real, you know, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got that. He's that guy. Yeah, it's, he's a guy it. that's so handsome, PJs hate on him. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Everybody <laughs> who got assigned to me has the most unique personalities and background, man. I mean, all of them. Every so, single one of them. From him on down, man. So we, we go visit the SEAL team, and then we're, uh, we're finishing up. And, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, uh, Marcus, is there anything anywhere else you want to go? And he's like, no, man, no, I'm good, man. He's like, you know what? What do you guys want to do? Shit, you guys have done everything for me. Why don't, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, Jay? We're, you know? And I was like, oh, no, come on, please. And he's like, no, no, seriously, seriously. I would be curious. What would you want to do? And I'm like, well, I mean, since you was asking, I have this thing about Porsches. I've, you know, owned a whole bunch of them. I got a couple of them parked in the garage. I would, I would love to go. I mean, we're here in Stuttgart. Let's go to the Porsche factory, go to the showroom floor, and, and see what that's like. So he's like, shit, let's do it. So we jumped in the van. We cruised over there. It was right, right around the corner. Right around the corner. And uh, we, we jumped out. And man, we went through that place. And it was, uh, it was like going to a race car museum. Yeah. It was so amazing. Uh, and I was like, in, I was on cloud nine. I'm here with Marcus. And uh, I'm here with my, my pet passion or whatever at the time. And um, I snapped a photo of him. I, I, I broke my own protocol in the sense of like, you know, you don't, as you know, when you're running an op like this, you don't, you don't do that but i felt like if i didn't capture at least one image um i, I was i was so i captured i think i have two i have and i i found one recently but the other one i've got to dig for i have one with you and doc and the intel guy yeah 
And Dell didn't come with us for this no. trip. I think he went. I don't know if he went back to Afghanistan. Yeah, Clint came in. Okay. And uh, Burke came in. We're leaving him. Yeah. And then uh, so I, I took that photo. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we went back. And then you eventually made it to. Uh, you got on an aircraft. I was know that that whole so, trying to get home was difficult. Yeah, we story. <laughs> we got an aircraft for you. Um, and uh, let's tell a little couple little bits left on the story. So. Um, we're leaving. I'm getting. I'm putting you in the van. You're about to go to the airport to get to the uh, to get on the aircraft, and uh, we're walking through the parking lot. And I asked you. I said, Marcus, do you know what PJs do when we bury one of our friends? And you're like, No. And I said, Do you guys have any traditions in the seals? And you're like, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. And I told him the story about how PJs put their flash in the top the of the coffin. Yeah. And I reached in my pocket, and I pulled out my flash. And he looks at me, and he's like, God damn it. He reached in his pocket, and he pulled out his trident. Mm. And we exchanged right there. And I said, Marcus, I don't know when, and I don't know where, but you'll know the time when to put my flash on which coffin, because uh, you're going to get an opportunity. And teach. Teach everybody what you know, what you've learned. And uh, so that was, to me, one of the... It, there was one other artifact that you gave me, and you gave me your dad's Frogman pin. I still have it. And I wore it inside of my beret for the rest of my career. It's hanging on my wall at home. You can have it back if you want, but you might have to come to, come to Arizona to get no, we it. Came down, we went, to get, went down the Audubon, too. Oh, yes, we did. Remember that? Yes, I do. Okay. And I remember that being a cool thing, too. Yeah, man. And then getting home because I got stranded in San Antonio. But a senator picked me up and threw me on his private plane. I had. That I, was in D.C. or Virginia or Maryland, one of the two. And then we went from Andrews there to there. That's Air right. Force Base. That's right. That's right. So I called. Because I didn't have my name or ID. And then who y'all passed me off to didn't. Here's the cool part. And this is why this was the most clandestine operation ever executed is because there was no formal anything before we made a movement we showed up asked for permission or please or we just did it and then then they wrote it up we were ahead of the write-ups which was which has made it gave us trouble but that's why we were so fast and uh, yeah so slow is smooth and smooth, smooth is fast. fast that's right and that's the whole thing that that's that's exactly how we operated we didn't we didn't bother we learned early on that asking permission wasn't going to work <laughs> we just and show up and go so i employed uh, the very first thing i ever learned from seals right that's Beg for forgiveness. Yeah. It, if you ask for I'm permission, you already know. I'm great at that. Matter of fact, it, yes, when you show up, you're like, hey, I'm pretty sure that they might forgive me for this, so uh, I'm going yeah. to do it. Right? 100%. That, that, that's a real thing for me. Yeah. That's for us. Yeah, that's a real thing. So, Isn't that great? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. I'm going to give you some credit for that one. But, um, Please forgive me. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hate me, but I've already done this. Yeah, you're going to hate this. me for a while. I'm doing it, man. Please. There's a reason. Yeah. Uh, but that was amazing. And to hear, um, you know, and, and see, there was a couple of times I've seen you, you know, throughout the years, popping up on the radar and, and, and uh, you know, giving back, you know, in different ways. And it was uh, really a, an eye-opener for me um, to hear that you started the... Never, the uh, Exos, Eagle Fund. Yes, the Eagle yes, Fund. 
So for those uh, that are in the audience, I actually ended up going through the Eagle Fund, and many, many PJs have. Mm -hmm. And controllers, too, because it's close to Hurlburt, right? So we can be based, we can go TDY from Hurlburt to there, and the Air Force will let us do that. So I feel like, um, and I've met others. I met um, Delta guys. I've met other SEALs. We can all go there. It's yeah. like a joint, it's a tackle thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it, for those of you who, who don't Save know lives. about this thing, like, it is a worthy... We keep it hidden, too? Do yeah. You? How about that? It's definitely a little We don't secretive. keep it hidden, but I don't advertise it. Yeah. I wouldn't have known it if I hadn't walked through your garage and seen the check. Yeah, buddy's got to, yeah. uh, you got to hear about it through the boys or the girls. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. Somebody's been this word of mouth. Not talked about a whole lot, but Eagle Fund has put so many people back together. Hmm. Um, you saved my life. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's yeah. Not, I mean, because it, it, I got sent there, just like with everything you. else. And then when it works for me, I'm like, well, my boys love this. And then his brother, when his brother was in a helicopter In a helicopter crash, crash I was there getting fixed up when my brother got in a, in a helicopter, helicopter crash. crash. So I had to go to Virginia to get him, and then we went together. In 2008 and broke his, um, his pockets. He's all busted up. I can never say that yeah, word. He's freaking, he's all busted <laughs> You should just go for it. It's yeah. a Cossack. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he went to Eagle Fund to get fixed up. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So you got some back rubs and milkshakes over there? Yeah. The best. Woo. Man. I think I pretty much told Helga all my stories. Well, I, thank you for sharing everything. And I, per, as Marcus's wife, I love hearing everyone's perspective of what happened on their end from, I mean, Red Wing is a tragedy. It really is. It's There's no other way to say it. It was an it was a, a incredible tragedy because a lot of incredible things happened um from that there are a lot of um you know even the relationships that we have with the families like there are bonds that were created Still with them. after that like they're we were with hell that might have been the hardest thing i ever had to do yeah but but from that tragedy some incredible things have happened and just hearing everybody's stories to me, it just puts the puzzle all together, and I love hearing that. And thank you for sharing it because it's not easy to. That was a traumatic time for everybody mm -hmm. involved. So, thank you. You betcha. Um, if I could add a couple things, one is I forgot to mention about the reintegration process where it was born. So the discovery of it was actually the Falkland Wars. Mm. So. Um, the British Empire at the time, and this is like in the, what, the 90s or something like that, 80s, they didn't have the resources to fly all their people home, so they put them in boats. Yes. And, they, and they actually ferried them back, and they ended up stopping in like Spain or something like that and ended up mm -hmm. getting back from Argentina. And the incidence rate of post-traumatic stress was almost zero mm. for a protracted campaign. And what we found was is that those, the... the time to distance the ability for the survivors those that the the combatants to decompress with one another was a direct it was a contributing factor so oh, sure i get that that's interesting yeah. if you ever see the movie i, I don't i don't espouse this but the, the movie the hurt locker mm -hmm. there's one scene in it that resonates with me and that's when he comes home and he's standing in the supermarket oh, the supermarket dude I told We've you. all been there. Yeah, man. For, <laughs> the supermarket scene. Yeah. Whoever yeah. wrote that up did a great job. Yeah, because that, that's, that's something they knew that's an experience. That's exactly right what that's like. The yep. supermarket scene from that movie is the best. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
And then lastly, I, I have a favor to ask. Well, I have a, I have a question to ask of you. Um, do you happen to know who the patron saint of POWs is? No. His name is St. Francis of Assisi. Well, I know who he is, but I didn't know that he covered down on that. Do you know why he's the patron saint of POWs? No. Because before he was a saint, he was a POW. He is the only one that survived. Really? Yes. I carry him around in my wallet. Marcus, I... Actually, uh, my rosary and everything was delivered from Francis, so I, I, uh, but I didn't know that. So I even study the saints like hardcore too. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, okay. like I really study for his confirmation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he all of them. <laughs> picked um, Saint Peter. Well, I'm Saint Peter, but I, you know, I, yeah, mm-hmm. but um, I, Francis was my man, and well, I will tell you why because of the warrior part, because mm-hmm. he was a badass. Yeah. So and he his, was his, captured, his, yeah. and along with his friends, he watched the rest of his friends die in captivity. The okay. only reason why he was kept alive and given any food at all was because his family was rich. And so um, when they finally bargained for his release, he uh, came home and rejected his parents, their wealth, and uh, rejected their lifestyle and everything. It, and obviously he was suffering yeah. from post-traumatic stress. Um, and he had a best friend that stuck with him. And uh, you're probably familiar with the story of him stripping off all of his clothes. Yeah. And renouncing, like becoming, taking a vow of extreme poverty. Right. And uh, his first uh, protege was his best friend. His best friend was like, hey, I'm not even, I'm not even part of this church thing, but I love you and I'm not going to ever leave your side. And so uh, I'm, I'll be, I'll, I'm going to do all this with you. And that's what started the Franciscan order. But without St. Clair, there'd oh, be no St. Francis. Oh, yeah. Right. And so I went through the St. Francis of Assisi retreat in Scottsdale. It is led by a two-tour Franciscan priest who'd been in Fallujah twice, both uh-huh. times. Marine, He's right? Marine. He is a little bitty guy that is hard as woodpecker lips. Sure, yeah. And uh, he's the only guy that ever beat me on a run that I'm aware of. When I was an active, I didn't even know who he was. He whipped my ass in Okinawa. Um, and I tried to reel him in, man, but I yeah. just couldn't. Anyways, he makes a retreat, a pilgrimage to a sissy. What do you think about taking Travis and a couple of your friends and we do a little film crew and we make a pilgrimage documentary and we give it back to the, to the oh, military? Yeah. Or even to the Catholic Church. But we can always do something like that. Bro, I got nothing but time now. Oh, do you really? <laughs> Turns out I do too. I, I just mean, quit my job. Come to find you out, hear that, you Amazon? Know, we, we're, we're out of a job. You know, <laughs> like, uh, so our chosen profession's gone. We're yeah. in this part of our life. I mean, whatever you want to do, you know, it's kind of. So that's, Marcus, uh, for many years uh, after. So I got medboarded. Uh, I couldn't stay in. All guys did. I, I got, I got beat to the hell. I, I almost got. Yeah, that's the only reason why I even got a chance to stay in the military for any time longer was through Exos or API. Uh, but this is exactly what it was designed for. Yeah, and they were literally like, I was the oldest guy. It was the ACC Air Combat Command test case, and they were like, Why is this guy going? He's so old. Yeah, and they're like, If we can make this guy, you know, turn him into Steve Austin, you know, six million dollars. Because that's net. what we're trying to do there, right? And so, when those older guys, they're not going to go go out; they're going to go back in. Yeah. 
and, it, and I came out of there and I was smoking the young kids and I mm-hmm. and I like kicking footballs and shit and they were like what places on point. How, how how in the hell did this just happen and they're like okay but um I guess the uh it would likely be next year um because they're they've got one queued up they're leaving here shortly but uh for many years I struggled with this mental I struggled with something I, I can only describe as I needed greenery. And I can't, I can't, it was a, it was like a wound that I could not heal. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't describe it. I lacked the words, uh, but it was something that now I can tell you was in my soul. And I went through intensive therapy. And in the course of the therapy, it, it hit me that it likely has something to do with a wound, a moral wound, somewhere along the line that I picked up and I've suppressed. I inherited or something, but it almost feels as though, like, I want to return to the garden, Mm -hmm. you know? My original state of grace. And I'm absolutely certain, I'm telling you this, I believe with all my heart that St. Francis of Assisi, that is why he had the bond with nature is he was looking to to heal from his captivity and his the way to do it was through the garden the nature yeah through animals and plants and things like that that's what this place is yeah and that's what I've been trying to I've been uh, not uh, we're on the path for as well well thank you so much for yep. coming on and telling your story and it's really incredible to hear some of that stuff I never it. heard of it <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a freaking overview man you yeah. can't believe it yeah, that it was, was awesome. Awesome, yeah. Thank you guys for listening in another week, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you did like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. <laughs>